Welcome to the Mary D Show. I'm your host, Mary D, here to be your guide as we extract wisdom and life lessons from top CEOs, thought leaders, artists, spiritual luminaries, and wellness experts. My intention is to bring you value in every show that sparks an idea, helps you break a limiting belief, or creates thoughts that uplevel your life so that you can know from the deepest depths of your soul that everything you want is available to you and that abundance is your birthright. In 2018, I healed from breast cancer, holistically after surgery, without the use of chemotherapy or pharmaceuticals. I love biohacking and plant medicine and exploring spirituality and what it means to be in relationship with Source so that we can feel whole and complete no matter what life throws at us. My specialty in the business world is strategy and leadership, and my gift to each of you is my ability to listen so that I can help others see themselves. In each episode, I want to sprinkle you with some hope dust, tickle your funny bone, and inspire you to find your inner roar. Get ready to live your most purposeful and joy-filled life now and enjoy the show. Everyone, would love for you to welcome my very special guest and friend, Allison Bird, also known as the Profit Accelerator. She's joining us today for another CEO topic. And our question for you today, Allison, is what do you know now that you wish you would have known before you became the Profit Accelerator? Oh my gosh. Well, first, I'm so gooey excited to be with you. I just have to say that. <laughs> Yay. You have to say I'm so proud of you in this podcast and your voice. I do. I just feel so good. So thank you. Yeah. What do I wish I would have known before I started? Mm-hmm. I wish I would have known that fear is a requirement on the path of greatness. Ooh. Okay. I really wish I would have known that fear represents itself and becomes the divine shapeshifter that you encounter over and over and over again in all kinds of forms, comes in different people, comes in different scenarios. And so if I would have known that sooner, I would have not worked so hard to be fearless. And being fearless is exhaustive because it's damn near impossible, especially when you're a pioneer of new consciousness and game-changing ideas for the world to become greater for like you and I are. So fear is a part of our path. And then I also wish that I would have known that failure is feedback. It's not final. And I didn't know that failure just gave me my metrics. I thought that failure was an indictment to me, my personhood, my reputation. And every time I failed, I didn't perceive it as failing forward. I perceived it as failing God, failing myself. Once my team began to get greater, failing my team, failing my family. And so all of those energetics tore down on me in my early years of entrepreneurship and as a CEO. Oh, so I hear a couple of things here. And the first one is the relationship with fear, number one, right? Because I think this is also a misnomer for people is that, oh, if I go out into the world to achieve or do or create, then I must be fearless through all of it. Rather than maybe the reframe around that is how do I build a relationship with fear 
knowing it's going to be there. It's going to be sitting in the room. There's no avoiding it. Like it's in this room. However, I can create a different relationship with it. It doesn't have to send my immune system or my being into this state of anxiousness and anxiety. Like I can create a relationship where I'm like, I see you, but I also know what's on the other side of this. I also am going to lean in, right? And it's such a practice of faith too. And trust, faith and trust, faith and trust in yourself, in God, in knowing, in knowing like, hey, my eyes and my vision are on this thing on the other side of this. And it's just me taking the journey through to get to it. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second one, oof, also very juicy, very juicy. I think these are things we just don't always lean into and consider. We think we need to be perfect. I don't know what it is about not believing that we're supposed to make mistakes. Like, where did that come in? Like, where is that in the handbook somewhere of life? It's like, hey, by the way, human, you're supposed to do this all perfectly. It's all perfect. You must not make any mistakes. <laughs> where did it's we learn so that? Painful. I know where I learned it. And I learned it from not seeing the adults that I was around give themselves grace for making mistakes. And so with my nieces and nephews that are around me today, whenever I make a mistake in front of them, I will say two words so quickly. It's okay. (laughs) And I'll say it with a playful tone whenever they make mistakes and they're in their 20s and 30s. But I come out with that very quickly. It's okay. We can figure it out together. I'll help you. I'm here with you. You're not alone. And I didn't grow up hearing those things. It wasn't that the adults around me were bad. It was that the adults around me primarily were Black in America, raised in a post-civil rights era. Mm -hmm. And so for me specifically, I was raised by humans who fought for civility, not equality. Mm -hmm. So when you're fighting for civility, your margin for error is very tiny, very tiny. So that's where it got ingrained in me that when I do it, not only should I do it with excellence, but I need to do it damn near close to perfection to even continue having a seat at the tables where I sit. And that was painful, really painful. Mm. Yes, yes. Oh, I totally get that. Yeah, I also think that this is something that happens within organizations where People don't feel like they can make a mistake, right? For fear of I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get chastised. La, 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 la. All the judgments, right? Whereas in business, if we can create this incubator for our team to say, hey, let's actually talk about the things that didn't go right. And what if we as a team took total ownership over why this client left or why they churned or why it's not working out? Like, what if we also decide to take full ownership? Yes, I get it. Sometimes the customer may not do their part, but what if we decide to take full ownership and still lean into it? Can we talk about all of the things that could have gone better and how we as a team or individuals could have also showed up to the table differently and how we might, if we got a do-over, how would we do it again? Because I feel like that's the real gift is in making mistakes so that you get to learn from them. You get to actually see a different perspective. You get to see the gap you are unaware of or that you were very aware of in your body or in your intuition and you just didn't follow it, right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like those moments come up as well. Yeah, Gay Hendricks wrote a book called The 10-Second Miracle. 
And it's the prelude, in my opinion, to the big leap. It's a very granular PhD level, like it's just curriculum of a book. Mm. But what Gay Hendricks says in that book is that you can feel in your body the first 10 seconds of an emotional response before it ever can communicate to your tongue. Wow. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, in my organization, as our leaders and as those that report up to our leaders that co-lead with me, we have a 10-second miracle practice, which is when we're in the midst of something, let's say I ask one of my senior project managers something and they feel put on the spot. So because they feel put on the spot, now they're stepping into performance. And so they're spiraling in the meeting and they have the grace to say, I need a 10 second miracle. Mm. And that's the moment where everything stops. And for 10 seconds, we give them the time to step back into their body. And that makes a massive difference for communication, clarity, conviction, and community as a group of leaders that are running a business and a collective vision. So good. I love giving everyone that extra 10 seconds, right? To not feel the pressure of needing to know an answer or have it right now on the spot. Because I know that creates a lot of anxiety for people. I've watched it over and over again, of feeling like it feels almost like a public speaking moment because everyone's waiting. Right. And so they're like, oh, for us, sometimes I know for me as a leader, I don't always have the answer in real time. And so being able to say, I need a 10 second miracle. And then to come out of that 10 second miracle and say, I'd like to say what I know. And then I'd like to open the floor to see if anyone can add value to that and add their insight to that. That gives me so much oxygen to Mm. not be performative as a leader, to not be pressured into perfection and to stay aligned with my purpose. That really matters. Yes. Yes. So good. And also being okay with saying, I actually don't know this answer. Right. And so who do I know that might have this answer? Who can I go to? Or can I come back to you when I have the answer? Because that's the other one that I often see as well as everyone also thinks they're supposed to have all the answers. And it's like, Hey friend, it is okay. You are not supposed to have all the answers. It's why we collaborate. It's why we have team members with different skill sets and different banks of knowledge so that we can actually collaborate with each other and come up with the best ideas, the newest idea, a collaborative effort to move things forward in a really, really beautiful way. So when you look back on your career, Allison, before you were the Profit Accelerator, there's always a history where we can connect the dots and see like where we showed up in this moment. But where would you say you had a moment where you were not the best CEO? Like, I feel like there's a version of you now. And then there's probably like a previous version of you also that probably didn't show up in the same way that you show up now. And I'm so curious to know, like, What are some of your reflections? Like, how were you? How have you once upon a time showed up as an asshole CEO? And how have you changed that? What process did you go through to upgrade your system? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, I definitely was an asshole CEO. 
And I remember my executive leadership coach, Pamela, oh my God. I remember her telling me in a session, Mary, she said, you're going to go to your team. You're going to introduce to 360 feedback. And she gives me the protocol for how I'm going to do it. So when I come back, like maybe two days later with the feedback from the team, I said, nobody said they had anything to say to me. Like everybody seems really happy. And she says, okay, what did you ask? I said, well, and I told her the questions and I had asked like, where could you be happier? Are there any gaps in the way that I lead? They were just really polite. And Pamela said, this is what I want you to go back and say. I want you to say, I have a tendency to act like a bitch in my life. And because I have that tendency of acting like a bitch in my life, sometimes I invite that tendency in the way I lead in my business. Mm-hmm. Have you ever experienced my bitch, the bitch versus Allison leading you? Wow. You're going to ask like that because it backs them into a wall and forces them to tell you the truth. And I said, well, I don't want to say to these people that I haven't been a whole bitch. She said, but you have. (laughs) And that was my introduction to radical accountability, which is rooted in truth, which is rooted in honor. And what I recognized was that a lot of my leadership was borrowed from reality television. Mm -hmm. I watched Diddy make the band. I watched him run those people up and down the street, tell them what to do, exhaust their time, have the answers and not give them to the people because he was making them validate themselves in the space. I watched Donald Trump create The Apprentice and I watched that leadership and those were templates because I dropped out of high school at 15. I graduated when I was 20 years old and my post-education just wasn't interesting to me. I was born to be an entrepreneur and I had it in my blood. But what I had to expire was occupational thinking that kept me small and then toxic leadership skills that I garnered from leaders that weren't the healthiest reflection and then editing from television that was just designed for drama. And as a reflection, drama was what I had in my organization. Wow. That's a beautiful reflection. And I think it speaks volumes to just your own way that you process learning uh, to be able to break it down so succinctly and look back on that and say, I actually can tell you where I learned it from. Because that's the truth, you know, for all of you out there who might be working with an asshole CEO or you might be the asshole CEO, just know that it's highly likely that you learned this behavior, whether you are the CEO of a business or whether you're the CEO of your life. Because at the end of the day, we are all the CEO of our own life. You know, you could be a mom and there is no handbook for moms. Unfortunately, there's not one that everyone goes by. I was sharing with someone the other day how I went to this parenting class. Now I'm not a parent, Kate, and I don't have children. I had never planned on having children, but I was fascinated with what the psychology of what they were teaching. And this class was specifically for people who were going to adopt a child. So I'm in this giant auditorium with other people who all are people either about to adopt children or they have adopted children and they're struggling a little bit. And these like pro-adoptive parents are sharing all these tools, like how when the child acts up, instead of like pushing them away or sending them away, 
they actually draw them in. They draw them in to create this, like, instead of go away, you've done something bad. It's let me hold you. Let me draw you in and show you that this is a safe space. And now we're going to address hands and eyes. I'm going to look at you. I'm going to get down. I'm going to probably hold your hands and physically like look you in the eyes and now have a conversation with you about why this was inappropriate or why it wasn't kind or whatever the teaching or the lesson needs to be. And I was like, wow, what all of us took that same basic, basic eyes, hands, When something goes wrong, we pull in our partner, our team, whoever we're having the interaction with. How would that change the game across the board? If that's how we showed up, instead of yelling, screaming, saying, go away, but rather pulling you in and then having the conversation. And I loved that. It was such an interesting, yet simple, beautiful perspective shift to watch that and go, huh, what if? My ex used to fight with his mom all the time. And I would always say to him, I was like, you two have had this relationship for 60 something years now, and it hasn't changed. And I don't know which of you think it's going to change by continuing to show up the same way. What if the next time you guys had an argument, you just simply looked at her, hugged her and said, mom, I don't completely agree with you right now, but I just don't want to argue with you. Like, would she freak out? Would it be the weirdest thing? And like, could you show up in this alternate way just to see how it could totally shift the conversation? Or do you love this fire with fire that happens every time you guys do this and then it explodes and then you guys do silent treatment for like three months until one of you breaks and needs a fix of something or, you know, something done around the house. And then you're like, okay, I'll break my silence you know, as if nothing ever happened. Like we can choose to show up differently. And I just think that that's one of the fascinating parts of it. Yeah. And changing the way that I lead by leading through the heart versus the head is a daily overhaul. Mm. It's a moment by moment decision because it's very easy. I was raised getting spanked on the butt. I was raised go to your room. I was raised with those laws of punishment. Right. And I saw them in corporations the same way, like that same punishment mentality. I saw it in school. And then when I started working jobs, I saw it in jobs. And then I became that kind of disciplinarian style Mm -hmm. of leader as well. Mm -hmm. And what I love about the way that I lead today is I lead with love. And I write my team members acknowledgments every single week about what they reflect to me, what they've shown me, what they're showing our vision, how they're showing up inside their role. And that was very uncomfortable for me at first because I thought, well, if I make them feel too liked, then what? If I make them feel loved, then what? I was so afraid of having humans feel loved Hmm. in leadership. And I recognized in myself that that was a direct correlation to how I believed divine order was anticipating from me. That divine order was asking for this professional shark on it, God, got it. 
And once I was able to see that I was not relenting in that with my team, it helped me see you're really afraid to be seen deeply by God. Mm -hmm. And what would happen if you gave yourself permission to have a new reflection, just like you said, with your former partner in 60 years, they were communicating like that. And for 40 plus years, I was communicating with God like on it. And it was through the lens of leadership, through the lens of entrepreneurship, through the tenderness of my team, which are phenomenal leaders and still soft. Mm. Once I was able to step into that softness because they demanded it, I didn't even do it for my own well-being. Yeah. It would seem they need a different Allison, but mm. I don't know how to be that. Where is she? Mm-hmm. And inside, I found my five-year-old self that knew she was a leader, that knew she could champion a cause that knew she could rally anything together. The 13-year-old in me that got everything sponsored for our middle school dance. And, you know, they said, we can't afford it. And I said, well, what do we need to do to make it happen? She said, what do you mean? We can't afford it. I said, there's money everywhere. Someone can afford it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And Frito-Lay and Coca-Cola and H-E-B grocery store that you know from Austin, Texas. They all sponsored. And not only that, JCPenney sponsored my dress, my shoes, and I got my hair sponsored and social media didn't even exist at the time. Wow! Inside, I found that girl within me that was a champion always and a beacon of light always and a catalyst for others always. And that's really shape-shifted who I am in the mirror And as a reflection, what I give as overflow to my colleagues, to my clients, to my team, to everyone. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I get to be on the receiving end of that. So I'll say amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) And my neurotic way of being sometimes when I'm overly obsessed, like, wait, was that harmonious the way I did that? Sometimes I'm a little topsy-turvy in it, but my heart is really pure. Yes. No, I know that it is. I still will say to this day, you weren't able to come to one of my birthday parties, but you sent a friend with a note. And when she read it, I just remember just being in tears because it was just so powerful, just the beauty and the gift that flowed from you through that message. I could, in my mind's eye, even hear you saying the words and like speaking that life into me and speaking a blessing for me on my birthday. And I just remember going, oh, this is so good. This is the deliciousness that I love that comes out of life sometimes. It was definitely one of those moments. So you're very gifted in that sense. Let me ask you this, because, you know, in hearing you say this, it reminds me of a lot of the unlearning that has to happen in life. And one of the things that always rubbed me wrong I grew up in a very like evangelical Christian household. And I always felt very connected to God and like that God is full of like kindness and love. And that was my experience of God. So to go into four walls and someone basically scaring people into heaven really just never sat right with me. It was always one of those things that I eventually as an adult was like, yeah, that does not resonate with me at all because that is not my experience of the creator. And the other reflection I was having 
was also in partnership. Like I've been writing myself these notes about like, what do I really want to call in for myself when it comes to partnership? And it's things like kindness and playfulness, but also like respect and sensuality. And I realized in that moment that that is so reflective of even my relationship with God. And I thought, oh, so fascinating how things are so intertwined. And I know that also you have had like a very public relationship and also, you know, the transitions that happen with relationships. And I'm so curious because as again, CEO of your love life, what is also a lesson that you would glean from the relationship side of things? Mm, That's a really good question. The biggest thing that I could say from my most recent relationship, which has been one of my greatest teachers, I think, since my mother. Mm. Yeah, definitely a lot of clout in that union. And the lesson that I garnered from that was slow down, slow down, be with what is. And I grew up in entrepreneurship in the hustle culture. So I stepped into entrepreneurship in 2008. And by 2010, I was running like I was Flojo at the Olympics. I mean, I was like going. And the moment that someone put a million dollar goal in front of me, it became the only achievable goal ever. So Mm -hmm. when I did a launch that was a quarter of a million dollars, I dismissed it. Like, no, this is terrible. It's got to be a million. And my nervous system was so ravaged and harmed by that rigor that when love came into my life, I snapped love in to the pace of my running. Mm-hmm. And what a costly lesson, what a, a worthy sacrifice. And I say that because I'm 45. Mm-hmm. So I have more life to live than I have lived. And so I got the lesson at the perfect and most divine time. And when I take slow down into business, what that means for me is be present. And presence is different for all of us. But for me, it means, am I looking my outcomes eye to eye? I was not looking my outcomes eye to eye. My outcomes were way in the future and everything I was doing was scurrying to get there. Mm. And what I know is that if I cannot see my outcomes eye to eye, then I do not hold full belief that it's going to come true. And that doesn't work when you're running a (laughs) three-dimensional business that needs your time and devotion and attention day by day. And what slowdown also meant for me was listen deeper. And I recognized that my former partner had continued to say some of the same things, but my hearing was programmed already for the life that I'd known. It wasn't programmed for the life I was creating. So deep listening was bypassing me or I was bypassing it. And when I took that back to my business and said, where am I not listening? I found a cavernous gap. So it's been really beautiful to walk through this healing. It's been messy. It's Mm -hmm. been uncomfortable. 
I have felt like I was going to lose my mind. I have screamed at God. I have yelled at the devil. I don't even believe in the devil, but I yelled at the devil. I tried it on. I have been in therapy week by week by week, somatic breath work, working with a shaman to pull certain memories and conversations and ancient pain out of my body. I go to Reiki almost every single Friday to clear the energetics of what I've processed through. But I made a commitment to live a big life. I did not make a commitment to live a mediocre life. So when some people hear the disciplines and the support systems that I have around me, they may say it shouldn't take all that. But then I have to look at my resume, which is that I've supported over 10,000 humans to generate more than $330 million across over 47 countries. And I've just gotten started. Mm -hmm. So for that, I do lay down my ego and I am a perpetual student. And the transition from my union, my romantic relationship really helped me become a more disciplined, solid expressive and present leader. Mm, So good. It's so good for everyone to hear how really one area of our life is not really one area of our life. It affects everything. Everything is carryover. For those of you listening, if you're a CEO and things are messy in your business, I'm going to say that probably for 99.9% of you, things are also messy in your personal life. Things are messy in your car. Things are messy in your drawers. Like it's typically one does not exclude the other. So it's such a good thing to be able to stop yourself and say, wow, where can I evaluate my life and see like, where is the same thing showing up? Not just in my business, but now maybe in my personal life, because maybe that's where we can go a few layers deeper. And I love how you spoke to the work that you're doing, Allison, because I think that there's a lot of buzzwords out there. People are like, oh, go meditate. And in a lot of people's minds, especially if you're someone who has not meditated before, it's like, wait, I got to be quiet with my own thoughts for five minutes. I can't do that. I don't have five minutes and I don't know how to be quiet with my own thoughts because my thoughts are so noisy, which is kind of the point. But also there are other things. There's actually, I don't know if you know this, there's a screaming meditation. Have you heard of this? You No, tell me. You scream for like as long as you can to get it all out. And the act of being preoccupied with the screaming about whatever it is you need to scream about actually quiets your mind from all the other stuff that tends to show up when you're trying to be quiet and the thoughts come and now you're getting a chance to express it vocally. And I think, again, people assume meditation is this like quiet, solemn act. But there's many different kinds of meditation. You can do a walking meditation. You can do a singing meditation. You don't necessarily have to do just a sitting, quiet meditation. And I think if everyone were to explore all the avenues of all these, whether you want to call them biohacking or practices or philosophies, there's so much available that most people haven't even scratched the surface. So I love hearing you talk about different modes of therapy, because that's really important, even from something like Reiki, super therapeutic, actually, and so healing. 
right? Like, how are we taking time out of our busy lives to sit with ourselves and say, I love myself enough and I love my clients enough. I love the people in my life enough that if I go take care of me, then everything else can be taken care of after that so that I can be fully charged. And sometimes it takes more. I'm the same. I'm like, hey, two hour massages on Monday. My guy comes over and does body work like it's nobody's business and it feels so good. And it's just a beautiful way to like pull me into my week and be like, yes, let's go. This is, this feels good for me. From the chiropractor to acupuncture, breath work, cold plunge, all the different modalities, right? And getting that healing. I just came out of a plant medicine ceremony and so, so many downloads around leadership and areas that I'm not fully conscious of that I go, oh my gosh, like here it comes. This has been under the surface and I get to pull this out and make some decisions around it. All these judgments that go through my head, I get to choose how I want to come at them. And I've made the choice that when a judgment comes in, I'm going to treat it with compassion because most of the judgments that come into my own head are about me. So how do I treat them with compassion and say, how can I look at these differently and also show up differently if I need to, and in a way that will serve myself and serve everyone as well. So I think there are some just really, really great gifts that are tied into doing the work. You know, you're so good also, and I want to acknowledge you for this, of when you've like read a book, you get a good download. Like you're so good at like remembering the author and remembering the book and like pulling it out. I think that's just admirable. And I love it because it speaks to the mastery and the learning of the thing right? The fact that you can regurgitate it again and and speak it and say, hey, I learned this and this is how I apply it to my life. And I think those pieces are so important because a lot of times you have people who are literally, they're just busy raising their families and going to a job or being a busy executive or running a company. And they don't take time out to do those bigger, deeper things. They don't go to a retreat They don't go take days off where they just leave their phone off and disconnect from the world to get centered with themselves and what they really want and how their life's going to do a check-in. I think so many times people are on this like autopilot. And if we don't do these check-ins with ourselves regularly, then it's easy to fall into autopilot. And then we wake up one day and we're like, where'd my life go? What just happened? I love that that you said you're like, I'm 45. I'm just getting started. Yeah. Just getting started. And one thing that I would say, there are a few things that will break you out of autopilot. One thing that you can do is peer coaching. If you are a CEO, then it means you know other CEOs, whether they're CEOs of brick and mortars or CEOs of virtual companies in a digital space. I love to book in peer coaching. Because when I do that, basically, let me explain what it is. When I get on with a co-CEO, it's basically here are the issues that I'm facing that I want to talk about. And that's a 45-minute session. And then on another day, they're going to bring me their issues that they want to talk about for a 45-minute session. So we're going to trade our zone of genius or... If there are no illusions of problems to face, which there always are as a CEO, but if there are no illusions of a problem to face, then having peer coaching for best practices can really make a significant difference. 
The other thing that I like to do is hold focus groups. Focus groups will help you break out of your rut, your routine, to be on the ground with the people. As CEOs, we can live in a bubble. And I know for me, people are always asking me for things and always responding to what I'm asking for. So I can get a little lost in reality, that reality is like a real world where people have to do like real life things, <laughs> you know, because just like you said, the massage therapist is coming to the house, the chiropractor is coming to the house, the nail person is coming to the house. My meetings are right here on Zoom, unless I'm jumping on a plane, a car service is coming to get me. And those are all things of privilege, all things that I prayed for, all things that are the manifestation of my hard work and my belief systems. And also, as I want to stay relevant for society, it's important that I break the routine and open myself up to more possibility. And those are just some tools that I like to use in month-by-month practices. So good. So, so good. Talk to me about your program, Guided Success. The only thing I know about it is it is the only place on the internet where you can discuss strategy, success, soul, and significance. So break that down for everyone and talk to us a little bit about that. That's a great question. I get so excited to talk about guided success. And really, I created guided success because I was becoming an asshole CEO. Mm. And what I mean by that is... I was thinking that my strategies and my success were one aspect of Allison. My soul and my significance were another aspect. Well, your soul and your success are inextricably linked, but I didn't understand that. I overstand it today, but at that season, I didn't. So I would make my strategies at the cost of anything. What did it take? The last dinner that I had with my mother on earth, I was on the phone with a Facebook ad strategist going through our numbers. That's how little I regarded life. Mm. I just didn't know in that season of myself. And when I play that back, it wasn't that I didn't like my mother. It wasn't that I didn't want to be there. It wasn't that I loved my business more. It was, that's what I thought had to happen. And what I have now, after seven years, my mother ascended maybe 10 weeks after that dinner. And I recognized after I used my finances to pay for her funeral, pay for her memorial, pay for all the things that needed to happen. And I just looked around. I moved into a brand new house right after that, that I thought she was going to move in with me. I just looked around, Mary, and I said, this just can't be what success is. Mm. It can't. This can't be what everyone fights to attain Mm -hmm. because this is miserable. Right. And I hate it here. I was beholding to my staff no longer led by my vision. It was, I got to work to pay payroll. So now I had a job. I wasn't a CEO leading a vision. I wasn't a thought leader pioneering new consciousness. I felt robotic and overwhelmed. But at the same time, I felt like, but don't I need to know the how-to of everything? I need to know the how-to. I can't spend time on healing Allison. 
I had my H's mixed up. Can't heal. I got to be in my how to. (laughs) And that is what created this exchange with disappointment that overwhelmed me in a really big way. And one day I took my right hand, which represents for most people when we talk about the divine feminine and masculine, the masculine doing. And I put it to the left side of my body, to my heart. And I said, can you just tell me what to do? Can you just tell me how to be? Mm, yeah. Totally mm. at my end. Yeah. And that's what opened me up to guided success. And I started doing only what my heart told me. Mm. And the moment that I started doing that, I needed so much less in financing for the business because my heart always guided me to the thing I already knew how to do. It guided me to the things my team could already integrate. Everything my head was telling me to do was some innovative twist on things that was egocentric. You're going to be great if you do it this way, but it's going to take you 10 months to make it happen. Well, what are you going to do to fund your business for that 10 months? I'm not independently wealthy yet in that space. So I recognize that I really wanted guidance and I did not want to templatize my purpose by duplicating what people on the internet were telling me. I wanted to be my truest self. Mm. And so I created a methodology around it. And now that's what I do is I teach leaders how to go within so that they do not have to have a life without. Mm, So good. So good. Yes, yes, and yes. Everyone's looking for the external fix. They're looking for the pill, but really it's the going inside. It's the unpackaging some things that we didn't want to unpackage. It's being able to lean in and say, Hey, I might have some wounds around some things that I might want to address. You know, even though it feels hard, even though that fear is in the room, it's knowing there's another side to it. And I think that's encouraging. It's encouraging to be able to like hear you be so raw in both your emotion and your words and just your sharing. So thank you for showing up so authentically. I really appreciate that. And I know everyone listening does as well. I mean, that's part of leadership is saying, hey, like, again, I'm not perfect. (laughs) This is how I human. And this is what's shown up. And so much of that is such a lesson, I think, in self-love is such a big piece of it. You know, it goes back to a lot of those pieces of being Mm -hmm. able to fully love yourself and lean in and say, no, like, not only do I need to rest and recharge, but like, it's what everyone else needs from me too, whether they know it or not. You know, I agree with you. And the thing that I love the most as we reflect on this is when you're a coach, a strategist, anyone that provides a service or solution based on your lived experience, to me, what converts that positioning to the marketplace from something being an offer to an answer is, did you live it or did you study it? Right. And so to me, I no longer position offers to the market. I used to, because I'd study it. I'd organize the data and I'd be like, okay, now I can teach this. But now that I base my teachings based on my lived experience, I don't make offers to the marketplace. I have an answer. It's an answer to your prayer. Mm. And if you want it, it's here. If you Mm -hmm. don't, 
then the next person that's aligned and we're in soul agreement together is going to come. That's a very graceful way to lead and live and govern. And that is a practice that I am continuing to discipline myself in. Mm. And it takes a rigorous routine of prayer. It takes a rigorous routine of conviction. And it takes presencing myself to who's around me because proximity is power. And I will be as powerful as the collective that is around me or is not around me. Yeah. Mm. So good. With that, folks, you can check out Guided Success with Allison. And Allison, why don't you tell our listeners today how to actually uh, get a hold of you, get the good, drop a URL, drop maybe some social media handles, and we'll also include it in the call notes. Okay. (laughs) So first of all, I'm an Instagram lover. Everyone is trying to get me over to TikTok. I'm coming. I promise I'm coming. Maybe by the time you hear this, I'll be on TikTok, but YouTube and Instagram is definitely where I like to rock. I tell everybody, as long as you spell my name correctly, you'll find me two L's and a Y, A-L-L-Y-S-O-N. And then for guided success, you can go to guidedbyallison.com. And that really is where you get to see the story. And for me, Mary, where I am in this season of my leadership, this season of my CEOing, of both my vision and myself is I'm in a season of pacing myself with gentleness. Mm. I'm in a season of coaching myself with softness and I'm in a season of appreciating myself with love. And every morning I walk to the mirror and I say, good morning, Allison. And I did not realize how for 44 years, I just didn't even say good morning to myself. Like if there's anything I would leave anyone with, like what's that one thing you could do that would change a dynamic with yourself? Look at yourself in the morning and say, good morning. Mm. Try it on for seven days and just see the difference of how you will acknowledge, respond and offer grace to yourself because you were the first one to see yourself, acknowledge yourself and appreciate yourself to start your day. That's right. Yes. Yes. And yes. Thank you for that nugget. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for being a guest. Thank you for being a friend. I love you. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the new year unfolds. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. (laughs) It's true. Sing it, Mary. (laughs) Oh, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Thank you, Alton. Appreciate you so much. And again, thanks for hopping on and, and being part of the show today. love you, girl. Thank you for joining us on today's show. I hope that today's session inspires you to live an aligned life where you get to take complete ownership of your feelings and decisions to live in your truth. You can connect with me at www.maryd.com. That's M-A-R-Y-D-E-E.com. Follow and like us at Facebook or Instagram at the Mary D. That's the T-H-E. Mary D, M-A-R-Y-D-E-E.